Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily on this Thursday, where we'll be reviewing last night's action in the Champions League and tonight's action in the Europa and Europa Conference Leagues. The Erling Haaland goal machine was back in action with a double last night at the Etihad as Manchester City romped to a 5-0 victory over FC Copenhagen. And an impressive scoreline at Stamford Bridge for Graham Potter with his first Champions League victory, 3-0 over AC Milan. As for tonight's European action, well, three Premier League teams have games. Manchester United, West Ham and Arsenal. Some of those teams looking to replicate their success in the Premier League and some of those teams looking for a distraction from what's been a difficult weekend. I'll be your host for the next half hour or so. My name's Ant McGinley and to help me look at all those games, I'm joined by two stalwarts of the Football Social Daily family. First up, Manchester United supporter Joel Tudor. Good morning, guys. And alongside him, at Liverpool fan Steve McNaughton. <laughs> Good morning, guys. So let's start, uh, first of all, at the game I was at last night at the Etihad, where Manchester City pretty much picked up where they left off on Sunday. And where was that, Joel? Sorry, did someone say something? Um, there's a bit of a repeat going on there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about these kind of things on this podcast, and it's done. It's in history. I look forward. Yeah, so last night, Manchester City ran out 5-0 winners. It could have been more, actually, were it not for some sterling goalkeeping uh, from the FC Copenhagen uh, goalkeeper. Great performances all throughout. Uh, maintained the same squad, even though they managed to start the game with a different centre-back pairing to the one that they had on Sunday. And, well, Steve, actually, let me come and talk to you very briefly about Haaland, because for the last couple of seasons, it's all been about the front line at Liverpool. So you know a good striker when you see one at yeah. Anfield. But Haaland is just next level, isn't he? It's just incredible. Um, you know, all you can do is tip your hat, isn't it, and just go, you know, he is 
the real deal. I admittedly I had a few doubts about coming from the Bundesliga and and replicating what he's done in the Bundesliga at Salzburg and at the Norwegian team he played for. Was it Mould, was it? Um, or whoever. Um, and he seems to have found another level. Um, I think there's been an increase in quality around him, if we're going to be brutally honest about it, um, versus the Dortmund team he's been in. And I think the when you've got people like Kevin De Bruyne and Cole putting the ball uh, balls into him and putting the crosses into him that they're doing it, it you know it's only a win-win situation for everyone concerned but he is a phenomenal talent and scurry talent and you know he, he could quite easily get 50 goals this season across all competitions and that's that's what the big money gets you isn't it you know the big wages the the, the modest fee if we're going to be honest um, that's what you pay for isn't it and you know City are relentless with him in the team and have the luxury of taking him off nice and handy last night and it's it is all rosy for the um, blue part of Manchester and uh, Alf uh, Erling Haaland sorry not Alf <laughs> <laughs> well I tell you what I mean the, the way we were playing last night in the last couple of days we could probably get his dad on the pitch as well and, and still uh, manage to part the stops something Steve said there Joel was about that's what you get when you spend the big money but as we've all found out with our teams whoever we support it doesn't guarantee uh, that, that coming through and, and actually it feels like something of a rarity, really, when you think about it, that you you get exactly what you paid for and expected and were hoping in the form of Haaland. I think City in general have had that kind of fortune of every single player that they've brought in has pretty much hit the ground running, apart from one or two, but their hit rate has been pretty successful. And I think that's more so just because Pep Guardiola gets the absolute best out of everyone he brings in. Whereas I think if some of their plays that they bought went to other clubs in the league, I don't think they would have half the success that they've had. I mean, when you just look at the stats City had yesterday, 23 shots in total, that just shows that it's a team that's relentless in creating chances. And that's why Haaland's completely thriving in that team because every single time one of their fullbacks or wingers gets the ball, they no longer have to try and pass it into the net or thread it through the eye of a needle. They can just put it into the box and they know that Haaland's going to be in and around their six foot five guy who they've not had at all since Guardiola's been there. And like I say, I feel like he's just the missing jigsaw piece. And and with Steven, the fact that prior to him coming to City, I did have slight reservations just because City weren't the side who ever had a target, man. They were all always so fluid in their attack and they never really, it always felt like they had a false nine at some point. Whereas now that they've had a proper statement player right up top who doesn't really get involved in the game apart from when he's picking the ball out of the net, um, it's changed completely and it's changed for the better for them. So it's, it's, it's a team that just creates so many chances that it's hard for him not to score. And the fact that he was already coming into City, already pro really prolific, now he's just elevated his game. I don't even think it's because of Guardiola, it's just because of the team that he's in, which is some of the best playmakers in world football. You've got to ask as well, Like, there's a lot of chat about the different records he's breaking and now people have started talking about could he start to challenge Jamie Vardy's record of scoring in consecutive games, which, let's be honest, nobody's going to be surprised about. But in terms of actually coming up against him, like, how, how do you set yourself up to defend against a player like that? Because it's not just his size, Steve, it's his movement 
Yeah, it's it's a real conundrum for whoever comes up against it. And I just think that, you know, in this in the Premier League, you, there's probably not a centre half, even though we've got some pretty good ones in the Premier League, that, that is going to be able to handle him. And, and and that's the reality of it. And I think that's why City will will score very heavily this season. I think the the goals for will be off the scale this season. I think it will be all previous records that we've had and that's what having that absolute giant and of a guy who times his runs to perfection who has the spatial awareness that he has that has been able to kind of seamlessly integrate himself into a new system at City and it, it, you know you, there's no negatives here for, from a City point of view um, everything is good news around Erling Haaland and you know, long may it continue as far as they're concerned. I think, you know, it's, everyone's got to be honest about it and go, he's, you know, is the lad going to spend the rest of his career at City? No. Um, he might do two or three seasons before he, he, he goes elsewhere. And I think it's a case of City just trying to clean up and win everything humanly possible in that period. And I think they will do. I don't think anyone's going to stop him while Earl Harold's in the team. Interesting you mentioned there about his future. Pep has come out and denied these claims that have been going around that there's a Real Madrid release clause that would let him uh, head off uh, to Madrid in 2024. To be honest, by that point, you could understand it because at this rate, it'll have broken every record there is. And in terms of... Uh, working out how to defend against him of course City travel to Liverpool uh, not this game week but the game week after that um, but let's let's just focus on the Champions League while we're here now this comes up every single year with City uh, around the Champions League it is the stick to beat them with it is the trophy they want more than any other but with what you've said though in terms of Haaland and how the performance was last night and everything else that's coming together the amount of goals that the you're expected to get this season I know this is a really painful question to ask you as fans of uh, Liverpool and Manchester United but do you think everything is in place now for City to go on and maybe not even just win one Champions League but maybe another two or three at this rate for me it just feels like they have another piece in their puzzle they have another ace in the sleeve which they never had before because when you looked at them in the Champions League previously I always remember that tie they had against I think it was Leon when they went out in the quarterfinals when Sterling missed that chance when he was literally on the goal line and it took them out of the competition and you just think if Haaland was there you could put a blindfold on him spin him around 10 times and he'd still find the back of the net and this is what they've been missing. They've been missing this guy who, well, I mean, his Champions League record speaks for itself. The quickest player to get to 10 goals, the quickest player to get to 25 goals, the youngest player to get to 25 goals so quickly. I mean, the records just speak for itself. He's literally writing history with his goals at the moment. The only team I can see stopping them is probably themselves. Because I think in, in Champions League, Guardiola seems to overthink situations quite a lot. Or he comes up against the side, which just, I don't know if it, they want it more. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but they just seem to just come up short every single time. I mean, even that final against Chelsea, Chelsea were nowhere near the best team in Europe that year. And yet in the final, Thomas Tuchel set up his team in a way which Guardiola's team didn't really respond to. Um, so I think if there's any year that they're going to win it, it's got to be this year, but I still 
think that Real Madrid are the team to beat in it. I think whoever beats them should be going on to win the competition, to be honest, because when you look at the foreign teams now, it's it's a pretty weak pool compared to, you know, maybe 10 years ago or six years ago. Um, and I think for Guardiola himself, he's still not won a Champions League without that Barcelona team, without Messi, without Xavi, without Iniesta. And I still think he has a point to prove in Europe because even that buying side, he should have won two or three with them as well because that was an insane team. And yet he didn't get anywhere near it. He didn't even get to a final with them. So I think with this City side, he's got to really start striking while the iron's hot now because he's. I think this is probably the best team after that 100-point team that he's produced so far. Surely you can't overthink, give it to the big Norwegian. <laughs> well... If you just punt it in the box, you know it's going in the net, don't you? But like I say, the Champions League, it doesn't necessarily always go to the best team. It's a knockout competition. It happens in every single knockout competition, which is why I wouldn't automatically say City are favourites because it's proven in the past that it's never really the case. Let's move on to Chelsea. And they ran out 3-0 winners over AC Milan last night at Stamford Bridge, giving Graham Potter his first victory in the Champions League. Lots of praise uh, for the performances last night, uh, especially for Reese James, Aubameyang popping up with another goal. But it was Ruben Loftus-Cheek that caught your eye in particular, Steve. Talk about Loftus-Cheek. This, this really exceptional player. He's been on the periphery, hasn't he, for years, and he's never really um, t- you know, took his chance, has he, and grabbed the situation by the scruff of the neck. But he certainly did do last night, and, and he's put in... You know, for me, a, a ten out of ten performance last night against AC Milan, um, and and you know done considerably well, and it can only help the guy's future. Um, you know, so fair play to him um, in an all-star Chelsea team last night that um, you know got the business done against the Italian champions. This looks to be like it's some really savvy decision making by the new owners at Chelsea in terms of selecting Potter and putting him in. That the performance uh, that they've put in, although. In terms of where Chelsea are, do you see this, Joel, as as they found their, their way again? They seemed a little bit lost, or is there still a lot for them to do? I've always said it just feels like a jigsaw piece with so many pieces, especially in that summer when they spent nearly $300 million. I think it was always going to take a little bit of time this season to try and understand where the strengths in the team are now because it's a totally new look side compared to last year. I mean, they have a pretty much new defence with Rudiger, Christensen, Aspilicueta doesn't really start as much as he used to. Um, and obviously, Alonso's gone as well. So they've got a whole new defence, pretty much. And for Potter as well, I don't think he's had much time in the training ground considering they had the international break. He only had two games prior to this one. Obviously, he had the games postponed. So it's been a bit of a rocky start for him and obviously didn't get the best results in those two games. Um, but I think this result uh, last night was pretty vital because I said in yesterday's podcast how they have to play Milan back-to-back so the next game is going to be at the San Siro in a couple of weeks' time. And I think if they didn't get a result here, I think they would have struggled massively to get out of the group. But on the flip side, I was so disappointed in AC Milan as well because it just kind of shows the massive gulf in quality despite the fact that they are the Italian champions they've still got a long way to go if they want to get to anywhere near what they were you know in 2006 7 8 where they were dominating Europe so for Chelsea and for Potter as well his first Champions League win 
I think he'll probably just give him a lot of belief that he belongs in that competition because I'm sure that prior to coming in, coming against AC Milan, probably like one of the biggest sides he's ever faced in his managerial career, I'm sure he was relishing it. I'm sure he wanted to prove a point as well because I'm sure you know he's he's had, he's got a star-studded side and he wants to earn the respect from them too. So I think it's um I don't know if it's a turning point just yet, but I think they're in good hands with Potter, and I think it's just going to take time for him to get his ideas into the team, especially with such a massive uh, group of players who've not even really played together for since the since the transfer window. I think this idea of of, of jigsaw pieces that that Joel's mentioned a couple of times is all too right, but I guess the the difficulty is Steve is that you know. It's not just a traditional jigsaw puzzle. It's it's something that moves all the time because pieces are being pulled out, and new pieces are being put put in. And do you think that's part of the reason that Chelsea and Liverpool have both stuttered this season? Is just that constant adaption, not just bringing new players in, but making space when other players go in. It's a very difficult equation to get right. It is very difficult to get right, and I think. Um... You know, I think I think the teams have stuttered for for for, for various reasons. To to be fair, I think Chelsea historically stutter. Um, you know, we touched on it earlier, and you know they were quite fortunate to win that Champions League, weren't they, uh, last year? Um, I think where Liverpool are concerned, I think it's just you know they've they've not been active enough in the market and and and, and you know evolved the team as quickly as others have. Um, I think you know where Aubameyang's concerned. I think he's a he's a safe bet, isn't he? You know he he will get you goals if he starts games. You know there's no doubt about that. And is he a permanent solution? Uh, probably not. They'll probably think if he can get a season out of him, maybe eighteen months, that'll do. Um, but you know it it, it works. You know because like you said, they've they've just wiped the floor with the Italian champions. Um, so you can't ask for more than that, really. Okay, we're going to leave the Champions League there, and of course uh, the next game week. Uh, just one week away and we're going to turn our attention in the next section to the Europa League Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City Go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda You never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today Your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. I'm Ant McGinley, joined by Steve McNaughton and Joel McTudor. Uh, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make you feel part of the family. Uh, so three uh, Premier League clubs in action tonight. Uh, league leaders, Arsenal in the late kickoff. Uh, but Man United, let's start with you, Joel. Uh, Omania Nicosia uh, is a 5.45 kickoff at UK time. Uh, so obviously not a great day out of the weekend at the Etihad. Uh, this surely is a great opportunity for 
the team to bounce back, although you're going to be without Harry Maguire and Raphael Varane, who are both injured. Uh, currently second in Group E before heading over to Cyprus, uh, having won one and lost one of your opening two matches. Where do you see this going? And importantly, the question that's been thrown around a lot, is Ronaldo going to make an appearance? Well, first and foremost, I'm just thinking of all the United fans who've gone to Ayanapa prior to the game. I don't know if they're going for the football or for the nightlife, but I hope they manage to make it to the game in the evening because I'm sure it's a little bit wild out there. Um, but I think it's going to be a game for Ten Hag to just try and test even, well, basically just give more game time to those who've been in the fringes, more namely Ronaldo and strangely Casemiro as well, which I'm still quite baffled about that. Um, the group at the moment is still pretty close, which it shouldn't be. Obviously, they had a really poor result against Sociedad in the first game. Um, and then that Sheriff one was a pretty drab performance as well. But these are the kind of games that you just need to be cleaning up quickly and fast because you don't want to be getting to the end of the group stage games. You're still needing a victory in the last two games. You're having to feel the stronger side when you've got all this big build-up of Premier League games to come. I think Ten Hag will just want it done and dusted as quick as he can. And I think we'll see that today with the lineup. I think he'll go with a pretty strong uh, starting eleven. And I think for Ronaldo as well, it's important for him now more than ever to be starting because he's going to want to go into the World Cup match fit considering it's in just six weeks time and the fact that he's only playing one game every two to three weeks is not enough for a player who is going into a really competitive competition but I would be very surprised to see a weak side tonight I think he's going to want to and Ten Hag even said it in his press conference which was that he feels it's essential to keep playing a strong team because they need to gel together they need to mold together and he doesn't see sense in field in a weak side when he needs to get match rhythm in the players' legs because they've only just come back from a two-week break in the um, the international break. So I think match rhythm is important for this one. Sure and much more we can I'd be very surprised if they don't get a result tonight. So moving on to West Ham, which kicks off at the same time there in Belgium. First two games against Anderlecht. And West Ham are top of Group B. Uh, they've had two wins so far, but it's the start of a very busy period for them. 12 matches in 37 days prior to the World Cup. This is this is a great thing if you're a fan because you're getting to see so many more games and so much more action. But we often hear, Steve, that this is, you know, the, the, the complaints from the managers about the fixture pileup and congestion and rotation and those kinds of things. I mean, how much of that, though, is is a smokescreen? Because as, as Joel was just saying there with United it's important to get that rhythm in and surely if you've got consistent games coming you know every three or four days you're really going to build up a rhythm there yeah yeah that's it and and i someone was talking to me about art my clubs uh running and i said rhythm is good when you're in and out of these games and they're coming thick and fast i think it's a good thing um and i think that you know west ham will adapt accordingly on that they've got picked up a good result at the weekend um, they're playing really well in the in the conference, and um, you know while the Premier League is is form is indifferent after losses to Everton and, and Chelsea recently, um, I think they can go into it with confidence and think you know what this is a chance to uh, you know put a put a display on against the Champions League team 
that aren't in particularly good form themselves. Um, you know, they they so. I'm just looking at their results at the minute. Uh, they lost at the weekend at home to Charleroi, one uh, nil, and um, you know they've they won a new. Um, the, the week before that but West Ham will fancy it I think West Ham will have a bit too much quality for them even though Anderlecht have some you know nice individuals on the ball um, I think West Ham can go there and certainly you know win by two or three and they had such a great run in the competition last season uh, uh, considering that their, their form in the league has been disappointing uh, this is a really good opportunity again similar to United uh, for, for them to really sort of uh, push themselves forward and capitalise on the back of that win at the weekend? Yeah, I think it's a welcome distraction, isn't it? And I think that West Ham will need to rotate a bit more smartly. I think they've got a couple of great new signings in there that they need to employ more regularly. I think we touched on it on the podcast last week. Certainly I'm talking about Maxwell Corney and Skamaka. Uh, Lucas Paqueta starts for them in the heart of that midfield, doesn't he, with Declan Rice. And I think, you know, they can go there and, and, and put on a show tonight and, and ease... The Premier League woes, although I don't know if that's the right thing to say because they beat Wolves 2-0 at the weekend and cost Bruno Lars his job. <laughs> yeah, he, he will certainly not see it that way. Uh, so let's move uh, from the Conference League back into the Europa League once again. And the current league leaders in the Premier League, Arsenal, uh, they're on the way to a Bodo Glimt. That's the late kickoff this evening at 8 o'clock UK time at the Emirates. Uh, they've only played one game so far in the league because of the way the fixtures have worked out. Uh, they beat Zurich 2-1 in their opening game last month. Uh, it's, it's just all gravy for Arsenal at the minute, isn't it, Joel? Yeah, and I think it's quite strange to say that because in the past I think Arsenal have been stuttering in games where they haven't really been able to get a good run going but right now they're looking like one of the best teams in the country and I think it's showing by the fact that the top of the table um, especially that win against Tottenham I think that really solidified a lot a lot more for the neutral fans I would say um, because despite the fact that they came to a real team and got beat um, at Old Trafford namely they still were able to be a pretty. <laughs> they were still able to be a pretty good Tottenham side, who I've tipped to be there or thereabouts come you know March, April, May time. <clears throat> so I think it was a really important result that, and like you say, I think for a competition like this, just in terms of trying to gather momentum, because I even remember when Klopp was first starting his journey with Liverpool, and they won the Europa League. I think it was against Sevilla, and that was almost like the catalyst to then go on to then go and produce more and sometimes I feel like this kind of competition is vital in a way to try and do well in for teams who are trying to aspire to go even better the next season um, and obviously Arsenal got a pretty tough run of fixtures coming up as well in, uh, straight after this in a pretty jam-packed um, month obviously they got Liverpool straight after on Sunday which is going to be a massive test I think considering the fact that Liverpool are starting to gain form a little bit and Arsenal again another test for them to see if they actually are the real deal then they got Leeds and they got Manchester City so it's going to be a really testing couple of weeks for Arsenal and Arteta just to really prove if if they are what they say they are in these big moments because these are the moments that can come back to haunt you come you know April May time so while they're in this good form you would expect that they would wipe over um their game tonight against Boda Glimt and then obviously there's going to be the really testing fixtures in the Premier League which will start to 
form the narrative around if they are genuine ca- uh, title contenders or not this season? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty pretty sure it is the first time that we've had a team that are top of the Premier League playing the Thursday night European football, which has often been seen as something that the the managers, the teams even didn't want because of the disruption that it has on the league. But with these three teams, just looking at United, West Ham and and Arsenal, um, do we think, we've already talked about, you know, the Champions League and could this be City's year? But um, in terms of the way that they're approaching these, the the squads that they've got, um, the the opposition, do we think it's a very long road to get there to that final? But do we think that any of these teams could be coming out at the end of this season with this, not just for a good run for... Um, for a good run for confidence uh, but as I've seen West Ham getting very deep into the competition Man United obviously in previous seasons as well um, Steve can you see any of these clubs actually going all the way and, and bringing back the silverware I think that um, we've got to have an English team winning the uh, winning all the competitions in Europe this season I think that the the Premier League is considerably stronger than its its rival leagues around Germany. Um, the danger with the Premier League is that it is becoming a bit of a one-horse race. Um, and it certainly appears to be that way this season. I think City will win the league by 25 points this season. Um, I don't think there'll be anyone that gets anywhere near them. Um, I think that as a result of that, um, I think Pep needs to win the Champions League this season. Um, given everything that's gone on before that. Um, I think City will be in a tough position if he doesn't win it this season because you've got this manager who cleans up on a domestic front but can't get it quite across the line in Europe um, for them. So if they do want to win the biggest prizes in football, you know they, they've got to decide what their priorities are. Um, I think you know Arsenal um, should have an eye on winning the Europa League. Uh, I think that um, the way they've started the season with the quality that they've got now, I mean, Gabriel Jesus has been a revelation for them, hasn't he? Uh, you know, they should have eyes on winning that and getting back into the Champions League just in case they don't get top four this season because I don't think they'll, they'll challenge City for the title. Um, and it's the same with Man United as well. You know, they will probably be have designs on winning the Europa League and getting a good run. They got to the final, didn't they, a couple of seasons ago that were beaten in that epic penalty shootout. Um, so they've been quite close to that. Um, and then you, you you drop into the conference um, and a team like West Ham should be winning that with the quality of opposition that are in that tournament. Um, the only reason why they shouldn't win it is if they rotate and stop taking it seriously like Spurs did a couple of seasons ago or last season, whenever it was. Um, when I think... Uh, they decided that it might be the best for them to go out in the uh, the group stages, um, you know. And I think that you know when you look at it like that, I don't think there's any reason why why you know they, they all shouldn't be coming back to England uh, come the end of the season, um, along with the World Cup. I'm only joking on the World so Cup. So, do the way. you think David Moyes? <laughs> <laughs> 
but the the thing is that shows a lot of how we just went yeah that's fine that's fine yeah i completely agree uh so do you think that david moyes will add to the one piece of uh, silverware he's got of course we all remember that fa community shield with manchester united back in 2013 George. special times very special times <laughs> wonderful all right well we're gonna leave it there gentlemen thank you very much for joining me today joel tudor and steve mcnaughton cheers guys thank you very much and next up, we're going to catch up with Tom from Who Got the Assist and the boss of all things Football Social Daily, Jim Salverson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily. Time now for our final section of the show, which is all for you armchair managers out there, as we deep dive into what you should be doing and should definitely not be doing for this weekend's fantasy football. And somebody who knows all too well about what you shouldn't be doing is Jim Salverson. Nice one, Ant. It is indeed time to get involved in some fantasy football surgery and to conduct that surgery, as always, we've got Dr. Tom from Who Got the Assist, the fantasy football podcast you can find on the Sports Social Podcast Network or wherever it is you choose to find your podcast. How are you doing, Tom? All good, Jim. All good. Yourself? Yeah, good. Scrubbed up and ready to go? Just about, just about. <laughs> I think after last week, which was really high scoring for loads of people, you know, you had obviously Holland going absolutely berserk, and the likes of you know Phil Foden, Jared Bowen, etc., etc., really coming, stepping up to the plate. Last week was just an amazing week for loads of people, and one guy in particular, James Madison, who I know we'll speak about, really did kind of catch the eye of many managers, mm. and he's definitely kind of you know one of those players that's in, in very much in the discussion right now. You say a high-scoring week for most people. Most people did not include me because oh. I tried to be a little bit too clever. I didn't captain Haaland. I thought Rodrigo at Leeds could get a few goals and he played out a boring nil-nil draw. It resulted in my nine-year-old child over-doubling my fantasy football score. I got, <laughs> I got a 52 and he got 110. Wow. So not a great week for me <laughs> all yeah. round fantasy football-wise. So I'm going to be paying particular attention to your advice today which has come in in the form of questions from the Football Social Daily listeners via Twitter, Facebook and our Telegram group. Details on how to join all of them you can find on the Football Social Daily podcast Twitter FSD pod. Let's start with Craig G though, who says, Brighton seems to have got their act together this season and there's some decently priced players in that Brighton squad. Who's worth a look from a fantasy football perspective? 
I think there's two that are really worth a look for you. The first one's obviously Leo Trossard, who's mm. a midfielder at the moment in, in the game. I think he just rose the other night. He's 6.7 million at the moment, but owned by under 10% of players. And obviously we've got the new manager in Roberto De Zerbi. And I know you guys have spoken about him and his impact a little bit. What was really interesting about what Trossard was doing and how De Zerbi set up against Liverpool, at least, was that Welbeck was... Trossard's accomplice like the whole system seems to be set up to allow Trossard to use his very very good finishing ability uh, to great effect create space for him like Welbeck obviously always energetic but especially so was creating the space for Trossard to get in on goal and I think that he at just 6.7 million is a really really good asset to pick up on I mean they do have Spurs next that, that is at home and Spurs have been stuttering they got Man City in game week 13 and Chelsea in game week 14 so in the short term you could say you know what Maybe I'd leave and see what happens with the Zerbi, but there's a really nice game week 12 fixture against Oscar Forest at home. Then after that, you know, they've got a really, really good fixtures right into 2023. I know we've got a little bit of a World Cup break, but mm. I think he'd be one I'd definitely be looking at. And the other one, uh, if you are looking for a defender at any point, is probably Big Lewis Dunk um, at the back. I mean, he's a, a fairly uninspiring option, but it's worth noticing that one, he's a fairly decent goal threat so you know, he's on for about two or three goals a season something like that and two he's a big bonus threat now because Brighton like to pass a lot pass out the back uh, Dunk in particular if they keep a clean sheet does tend to be the one who homes in on that bonus point or two and, and that could be quite a nice little differential for you so I think it would be those two really Jim if I was to be asked any Brighton players Lewis Dunk has always been a mainstay in my fantasy football squad in previous seasons. I haven't gone near him this season, but for exactly the reason you say, he pops up with a goal every now and again. In terms of Trossard, have the stats been suggesting fantasy football-wise that he was in for a week of the quality he had last week against Liverpool? Or is that a little bit of anomaly at the moment? It's hard to tell because at the end of the day, you've got two different scenarios that have occurred you've got the stats under what happened with Graham Potter which was still quite good but he was being played in a very inventive left wing left wing back role where going back on the defense he was a left back pretty much a left wing back and going forward he kind of started played kind of the inside four what we're seeing with Raheem Sterling at Chelsea his state of the season is not bad at all. So he's actually 18th, um, so in the top 20 for non-penalty expected goal involvement, which is really good for a player, um, forgive me Brighton fans, but playing for Brighton. Um, that is, <laughs> that, that's very, very impressive. And I think that, you know, provided he continues to play this role for the Zerbi, I think you could be very kind of uh, encouraged by what he could offer. No, he is the talisman for that team, provable through the FPL data. And I think that that's kind of what you need to bear in mind with a player like that, especially at kind of a middling price. You're not losing too much, but you could get great gains from going there. Brilliant. Right. Next question comes in from Slav, who says he's been tempted by James Madison. You said we were going to touch on James Madison for a while, but Leicester's terrible form has been putting him off. Is he worth a go now or are there better options around that eight million pound mark? He's 100% worth a go, Slav. I think the thing to remember is that, yes, they've, the team can have bad form but what they have in front of them like last week great fixtures and what the great fixtures do breed form like you can never say the team has done badly at the start of the season therefore they will do badly all season like you've got to be able to look at things like fixtures and say hey you know what I'm going to bet on the upcoming run being good enough for a player like James Madison who if you watch Leicester is at the centre of everything they do Mm. being worth inclusion so I got him 
before the international break for the Spurs game, played him and got his goal, and you know, fully happy to have him in for that Nottingham Forest game, and obviously dominated in that. And really, actually, throughout the last kind of couple of seasons, Madison's been doing very, very well for Leicester. Leicester as a team have been pretty meh, but Madison as an individual FPL asset, very, very good. Last season, double digits for goals and assists, um, 181 points, I think it was, something like that. Um, so that's pretty damn good as an 8.1 million asset and definitely worth picking up, especially I think it's Bournemouth next and then they've got a couple of home games. Like, what more could you ask for uh, from that kind of player? I guess 8 million, it's quite tough at the moment because you've got coming up in game week 12, you've got a blank for Man City and a blank for Arsenal. I would be picking out Bukayo Saka and Phil Foden from those two teams. But because there's a blank in game week 12, so there's no game week then, you can't really go there at the moment. You've got Jared Bowen, who looks like he's snapped back a little bit. 14 points this week with a goal and assist. So he could also be one uh, to bear in mind in the 8 million bracket. But I think Madison's just a standout there if you look mm. at the way he's playing and how important he is to his team. That's a great shout, actually. On the This isn't a question from anybody else other than myself, but on the blank for Arsenal and Man City, should we as managers be planning ahead to that in terms of potentially looking at a free hit or a wild card or using one of those chips? Absolutely not. Like you, you should just just use transfers. Basically, it's half my team, Man City and Arsenal players. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't used your wild card yet, that might be the ideal time to do it. So if you well, if you what you can do is something called dead ending. So you dead end your team into game week eleven. You know, make your team do a couple of transfers, make your team as good as it could possibly be, and then. Um, in, sorry, in, and then in game week 13, so after the blank, you then wildcard to bring your players back in. So dead end, dead end is 12, and then okay. in 13, you wildcard out. So you sell your Man City and Arsenal players in 12 when they don't have a game. You buy them back the week after with your wildcard. That could be a way to do it. If not, just use your transfers. Um, I wouldn't use a chip, or I definitely wouldn't use a free hit there. Okay, final question comes in from Guna Guy, who unbelievably isn't asking a question about Arsenal players. He wants to know about Callum Wilson. He says, with Callum Wilson fit <laughs> for once and seemingly first choice at Newcastle, Isaac struggling with an injury at the moment, of course, yep. should he swap out Callum Wilson for Mitrovic, who he's got at the moment? I think Mitrovic is rated according to the game. He's got a 75% chance of playing. He's got a foot injury at the moment. Callum Wilson is reporting to be fit. Isaac... 25% chance of playing because of his leg injury. Again, according to Fancy Premier League, we never know how accurate that is. So should he look to get rid of Mitrovic and bring Wilson in for this game week? I'd wait till the end of the week. Look, Fulham were, I think it was 2-3-0 down, down to 10 men as well when Mitrovic came off. Mitrovic had a knock during, during the international break. I don't know about you, I don't think you've ever played football manager before, but if, if you're in that situation, <laughs> I take off my star man and wait for next week. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's happened with Mitrovic this week. So you may not need to replace him anyway. Um, Wilson, as, you, as you've implied, great if he actually does get on the pitch. He's got a really fabulous ex- expected goals per 90 this season. I think he's actually second only to, uh, to Erling Haaland. The problem is he's only played four games because he's just always injured. or he's, always got a, he's, he's one of those players who is just a transfer waiting to happen. And that kind of puts me off players like that. Just because you know, all, everything can be going very well and suddenly you'll find that you've got one or two players in your team that suddenly you know are out. 
and if mm. you're buying these sort of injury kind of threats, that can mean that you lose ground elsewhere because you've got to deal with that problem rather than picking up another player who you know everyone else is picking up, so you could lose points there. Uh, Mitrovic, I wait until the weekend, or wait until kind of Friday, um, once we've heard the press conference from Marco Silva. Uh, still probably you know been a bit disappointed. And I've I only brought him in fairly recently. He's done nothing for me, um, but I think he's just one to keep hold of until we find out he's he's out for a little while. In the same way when Isaac was out for a while, I then moved him on so I wouldn't kind of force the transfer unless we know for sure uh, that the Serbian's out Dr Tom top tips as always if you've got a question for next week when we're discussing fantasy football with Tom from who got the assist you can get us on all the normal social media channels and of course you can hear more from Tom discussing more from the world of fantasy premier league on his podcast who got the assist search that wherever you find your podcasts or find it on the sports social podcast network now back to Ant Oh, Jim, I don't know what to say. <laughs> really marking us out as being footballing experts there by uncaptaining Harland. Well, that's it for the show today. We are here every single day, so tomorrow we'll be looking ahead to all the Premier League fixtures this week. And and also there's another show, The Dugout, where I'll be chatting to a couple of ex-pros, Matty Fryer and Franny Benali, about all the big footballing stories this week. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much to all my guests. See you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.